Blog Talk Radio. Tuning into another edition of The Ruckus. I'm your host, Yandra LaBeouf. It's the last Tuesday of the month, so of course, it is time for the roundtable, so we'll have all hands on deck tonight. Of course, I'll be joined by regular co host Ryan Bivens, but joining us at the desk is my Abdul Salama Beatboxing Mayhem and Knockout Nation, and also uh, resident favorite Brandon Stubbs, Mr. Punch to the Face, will be joining us for the roundtable discussion tonight. But a lot to cover, as usual, these shows. It seems like two hours used to seem like so long, and now it's not nearly enough. But I don't know how much of my rambling you can stomach, but two hours is all i got. So tonight we will uh, recap the fight for Monte Carlo this weekend, capped off by Mark Murray's victory, which puts him in line for a fight now in February, Monte Carlo against Gennady Golovkin, who was on hand ringside. We will also talk to... Top-ranked prospect Mike Yes Indeed Reed, who is on a win streak, he will be making his return to the ring on the Terrence Crawford undercard, the Crawford versus Beltran undercard happening in November. Uh, we will be talking to another prospect, uh, Nick Givhan, King Demon is his nickname, who is the recent UBF Junior Welterweight Champ. He'll be joining us at the top of the next hour. We'll talk about Hopkins Media Day. We will talk about all the latest gossip and fights getting made and whatever else we feel like rambling, taking up your questions from Twitter, you know, all the good stuff that we usually like to do. If you'd like to call in and join the discussion, the number is 718-508-9852. Or, of course, you can tweet your questions to myself, Ryan, or Brandon on Twitter, Ryan Bivens, punch underscore to the face, and, of course, mine is Jet Hang. So without further ado, Ryan Bivens, how are you doing? Uh, it's been a long day, but I'm doing good. Excellent. I know you've been out there. Of course, today was Bernard Hopkins Media Day in Philly, so you guys will talk about that. Brandon Stubbs, yep. how are you? Oh, how you doing, hon? I'm great. Are you drinking? <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm not allowed to answer that question. You please the physics? Um, my blackness won't let me answer that this evening. I'm drinking. Okay, drunkie. So, so needless to say, no, no, no road work got done today. Is what you're trying to tell us? Oh, not at all, not at all. Probably won't tomorrow because the McRib is back. So, oh lord. <laughs> wow. So, why don't you guys go ahead? I'm going to call down the wolves because I think my assassin is here. Break down their uh, Hopkins media card, media day for us. All right, well, this media day was popping. Everybody was there. I mean, this wasn't like normal boxing media. Like, I mean, you saw a couple um, of the guys that I usually see at, you know, these Philadelphia things. But, man, it was just, you know, like. Like from from all over the place, like all over the East Coast, um, you know, major news networks. Hopkins is a big deal, you know, and this is this is a dangerous fight. I mean, you gotta you gotta bring Hopkins up there, maybe, 
maybe one of the ten greatest fighters of all time if he can pull this one off, man. I'm telling you, this this is no joke. The dude is pushing fifty. Fifty. And Sergey Kovalev is considered the you know, on either number one or number two most dangerous fighter in the sport. I mean, it it would be unheard of for Hopkins to still be able to beat a guy like this. So everybody is curious because stylistically it's a fight that Hopkins can win, but it's just a matter of is he too old to do it now. So, you know, I'll be there on um on the eighth of November to to see for for myself. But um yeah, man, it seems like a lot of people are gonna be there. Um also at the media day there was pro fighters uh Amir Mansour who has a official media day the next day. Uh I guess he, he just showed up to, to work out. Um, Brian Jennings was there. I interviewed him. Um, Gabriel Rosado was there. Also interviewed him. Eric Hunter, he fights on the undercard. Uh, interviewed him too. Um, Wahi Rahim, that's the uh, brother of Zahir Rahim. Zahir Rahim. Uh, also interviewed him. A uh, bunch of pictures and videos of these guys working out. Other um, Philly fighters like Jerome Conquest. Uh, I think I saw Avery Sparrow there, although I didn't see him work out. Um, there's this Golden Boy light heavyweight who's who's on the uh, who's on the car. I, I can't remember his name. Some Russian. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm missing at least a dozen names. Honestly, Julian Williams was there. <laughs> I mean, I can go on forever. How many people were there? Um, uh, Fred Jenkins Jr., it was, man, I've never seen this many um, pro fighters and media members in the gym at the same time, um, you know, just for like a media event. Not, I mean, the the level that this was, it, it, it was like there was like some fights going on. Like, you know, if you go to an arena to see some fights or maybe even an amateur show sometimes, if, if it's a good amateur show, like you can see a whole bunch of fighters at, at a, a thing like that. For, but for something like this, never seen as many fighters as it was today. It was ridiculous. But, you know, you can check out badculture.net because uh, I have my, my, my photos and my uh, my videos up there later. Now, the photos, you know, they, they're going to be amateur quality because um, I'm not a professional photographer. My man, Daryl Cobb, who is a professional photographer, was not able to attend today because, you know, he was on his grind. You know, making that money on his on his you know his nine to five, and um, me and my broke ass, um, I had nothing better to do today, so uh, <laughs> I stuck around the gym for like three hours, um, you know, just talking to fighters and stuff, and then um, I think I spent the last couple hours, you know, doing my own workout. So yeah, that's wow, that's that. pretty much it on the media day. I mean, was there anything interesting that we, you know, you can kind of give us a sneak peek? And obviously, the rest of the, the rest of it, you know, the the fans can listen to on uh, on BadCulture.net. But was there anything that kind of took you by surprise or was kind of said by any of the fighters or uh, guy like Brian Jennings? Like, what the hell's going on with him? It's like he's in a holding pattern right now. Yeah, yeah, we um, yeah, we, we discussed that on on the interview. It's, he said it's um, you know, it's inconvenient, but you know, he's he's focused. He's not he's not worrying about um, you know, not, not being in the ring. You know, he's he stays in the gym, the guy's always in shape, so he just, you know, laying awake. You know, when the time comes he's gonna seize the opportunity. Uh, yeah. 
it seems like it'll come uh, mid, uh, late mid or end of 2015 because um, he, he even says in his own video he doesn't think the the Brian I mean the um, the Bermain Stavern Deontay Wilder fight will happen this year so that will probably happen in the beginning of the next year and so I guess the the soonest he can get a title shot is, is later in that year. So yeah, uh, and he doesn't he doesn't know if he's going to take any stay busy fights. I mean, he doesn't see a need for him. Um, and he we, he discusses why he, he doesn't see a need for him. Um, it's something about the stage he he's had in his career. Uh, I mean, I guess it's different for different people. Some people need to need to fight maybe because uh, if they don't have a fight, they they really can't push themselves to, to train properly. But uh, a guy like him, I don't think he needs uh, motivation like that. You know, he's just always, always focused. I mean, the guy is very disciplined. So, you know, maybe, maybe doesn't need a, maybe doesn't need to tune up. I mean, do you think like so many guys showed up for you know the Hopkins Media Day because I don't know it, this could potentially in many ways to kind of feel at least I think it could be could be it. I, I think if he loses. I honestly think he retires. Do you think it's kind of almost like they want to make sure that they're there and kind of soak up as much of the moment and, and that energy around him while they can because it could all come to an end here in a week? That, that's very possible. I mean, you know, at any at any moment now, it's, it's, it's going to be the end of the line. And you just can't say for sure or when it is. So you, you do want to be there because this is this is history. And – I mean, even at the uh, the other end of the thing, you know, if because of the level of the fight, if he wins, it's also you know super history. Like, wow, this is a great upset. I mean, I know a lot of people are, are still giving him a great chance to win the fight, but honestly, when you analyze the fight, this is a harder fight than Tarver. This is a harder fight than Trinidad. This is a harder fight than Pavlik, and all of them were heavily favored to beat Hopkins. So mm-hmm. it's just I think the media has learned from their mistakes in the past, and they don't want to doubt the old man again. So in the, in that in, the, in that case, so you know you have Hopkins. What is his best strategy for this type of fight? Since Kovalev is known to be a heavy puncher, is his strategy simply just don't get hit? So if you know if you want to evade punches, what does that do to the style of the fight? Do oh. we see Bicop get a lot of criticism for, oh, you know, he's running, he's holding, he's clenching, oh. et cetera, et cetera. You know, what does, you know, what does this do stylistically for the fight? He, it might be a lot of mauling and, you know, a lot of, you know, close quarter action where a Kovalev can't get proper leverage on his on his punches. And, you know, that's that's really where his power comes from, his leverage. You know, if you, you let him wind up into a shot. So I think Hopkins is going to smother him. And uh, you know, make them make them fight in the phone booth and, and much of the bout. So I, I that's just smart boxing to me. I don't give a damn what the critics say. You know, that mm-hmm. I mean, if he does excessively hold, you know, that is you know that is a problem. And you know, they should have a referee to to you know um, to take a good look at that. But he's not going to run. He can't run. He's too old to run. Mm-hmm. He said. Plain as he is too old to run, so Kovalev is not going to have to find him. Okay, he's he's just going to have to be accurate. 
What, um, you know, just thinking, you know, we're still a couple weeks out from the fight happening next, not this weekend, next weekend. Have they said who the referee is going to be for this fight? I'm guessing like Steve Smoger or somebody like that. Who in your mind, in, you know, with the, the, the glare that's been put on officiating lately, who is the right man for this job? I'm not sure, but Steve Smoger is, you know, that's a Hopkins referee right there. I mean, I know Hopkins that would was, love was, to have him. <laughs> I was just going to say that. I mean, you know, I love Steve. I love Luigi to death. I love Steve Smoger to death. But let's just let's, let's keep it 100. Steve Smoger loves the shit out of Bernard Hopkins. We might see Kovalev get a face mush. You wait, might, wait. You I think know, the referee has been announced. It, ha- it Dave, has been? Yeah, Dave Fields. Who I'm is not Dave familiar Fields? With him. No, I'm not familiar with him either. Dave well, they didn't dug up somebody out of the crypt, like some ran- they didn't found some random for this fight. If anybody, if you're listening and you are familiar with the official Dave Fields who will be officiating the Bernard Hopkins versus Sergey Kovalev fight, Tweet me some notable fights that he's done that you have seen, and let me know what you think about his officiating job. Or call into the show, and if you want to talk about Dave Fields, talk to us, 718-508-9852, because okay. we know. Well, 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 you want to Jay, if, if, this is, if this is any kind of indication of the ref they got, I just, I just put him up on box rack. If this is accurate, like, my man doesn't do, like, really big-time fights. Like at all, like period. Like this is bad. <laughs> oh, this is a great fight. Wait, 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 wait. He did. He did Bika Durrell. He did the first Bika Durrell fight. Yeah, like I said, this is bad. <laughs> That's the most, most notable fight. Bika Durrell won. And he also did a. He did Devin Alexander Lee Purdy. Purdy or how is enunciated? Um. Yeah, I, I mean, if anybody else has seen these bouts, they have to be like local bouts uh, in Jersey. That's typically looks like where he's officiating Jersey and New York. So nah, I don't know about this guy. Well, I mean, in a sense, maybe that's a great thing. You know, maybe he, you know, he's a referee that doesn't have all this attachment to him. You know, we're not as familiar as we are with some of the other refs that are out there. So maybe that's not necessarily a bad thing. You know, maybe they want to get the sister with the dread. She might want to She might want to officiate the fight. I mean, hell, why not? Can't do no worse than Dracolich, say. True. So, yeah, so maybe this is not a terrible thing. It's like having fresh eyes looking at the fight because he's not so jaded and doesn't have so much I mean, cause I'm not trying to see Smoger. I'm not trying to see Dracolich. I'm not trying to see uh, who else are the refs out there? That guy who called the fight with um, oh, what's that kid's name? No, I know the this one... guy. I, um, okay. He's look, he's no, he's a good referee. Like he's he's one of those referees nobody ever talks about. And nobody ever talks about him because he doesn't do anything stupid. See, referees do hmm. things stupid. That's how they get famous. This guy, yeah. nobody knows his name because his fights, you know, they just, there's no real controversy in them. Well, that's good. Well, I like that. Yeah. A, fig- a figure in boxing with no controversy. 
I see. I, I, had to, I had to pull up a fight. I, I had to pull up a fight of his, you know, just to, you know, familiarize myself with his face. Because I know, I know all the referees by faces, but I, I, I couldn't tell you their names for unless they're famous, and they're pretty much only famous if they have controversial fights. And this guy, sure. yeah, he's, no, he, he's a good, he's a good referee. He pees glitter. Mm. That's great. So Dave Fields. Dave Fields, you got a lot of eyes watching you. You in a historical fight here, my man. Don't mess up. Take a red, drink a Red Bull right before the fight, you know. And uh, where are they fighting at? Atlantic City, New Jersey State Athletic Commission. Don't have him working all night in the arena at 3 p.m. You let him come to the arena at about 5 o'clock, you know, put him in his own special green room. <laughs> It was some nice hors d'oeuvres and things, and you make sure he is good and ready. No heavy food, so he can be alert and awake because he's going to be working hard that night. He's going to be, I hope yeah, he got some muscle. I got a back on him, he's going to be working hard. The first fight starts at 5.15, and the, the HBO telecast doesn't start until 10.45. So, yeah, oh, I hope that? I hope he not fight, you know, refereeing the whole card. <laughs> You know, you know that's actually a good look. You know, if he's a good sturdy guy, if he broke, if he officiated Bika Durrell, we know how much mauling and wrestling goes on with those two. So, you know, I guess he got some decent strength to break up some clinches. So, yes. All right, Dave Fields, we watching you. I hope you do a good job. Forgive me for stepping out of the conversation for a second, and if you've already covered this, what notable things did I mean? Bernard Hawkins is always just got a, a treasure chest full of quotables and, and interesting observations and things to say. Anything in particular for B Hop that is that stood out to you that he said at today's media day, Ryan? Um B Hop said the usual stuff. Um nothing nothing was, you know, too funny or, you know, too out there for me today. Uh, honestly, I didn't even get I didn't even get to ask him a question. Um, <laughs> it was too many media guys around. It was just hard to get my my you know camera close enough just to record it. So mm-hmm. you know he B I was gonna say what he was gonna say, and it really doesn't matter what the media asked him. So you know mm-hmm. I just I was cool with their questions. I I, I couldn't even hear a, a lot of their questions, but uh, I heard Bernard answers. Excellent. So you know, just just look right. I'm just gonna say, um, you know, just look for uh, a focus Bernard um, coming into this. You know, not a lot of you know uh, braggadocious stuff. You know, he he means business. And I looked at his workout. Some of the odd workouts, you can tell he's just kind of you know fucking around. You know, not 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 real serious about it. Um, like mm-hmm. uh, going into Shumanov fight, like uh, the the kind of work he was doing for 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 that fight. It you know it. Looked like he was, you know, just just there to to talk to media and not really work out. For this workout, mm-hmm. he was bringing the heat. Like, if he look these combinations he was doing, if if and and the, the sound that the Mitz was making when he was hitting them, if he can put stuff together like that on Kovalev, Kovalev isn't going to be able to, you know, just walk through this guy, not at all. Mm-hmm. Uh, Kovalev might even get hurt. Honest, I, I tell you straight up. I can see Kovalev getting hurt in this fight. That that's that's the way Bernard is punching right now. And you know, pe- people always talk about Kovalev hurting people. Kovalev can get hurt. His his shit isn't granted. He's been you know, he's been down before. He's been hurt before. So 
You know, and uh, he's never been 12 rounds. So we're going to see. I think Bernard is going to take him in the deep water, and uh, Kovalev is going to have to uh, dig dig deep and find something within himself that, that hasn't been shown before, or uh, Bernard's going to drown him. As you are a Hopkins connoisseur, for lack of a better word, when you look at the, the Hopkins you saw today and compare him to the peak-shaped Hopkins, pre- prepared Hopkins that you've seen in the past, where do you match him again in terms of pre-fight preparation? Well, I think when Bernard turned 40, he said, 40-year-old Bernard knocks 30-year-old Bernard out. And he was 100% right. I I believe that with without a shadow of a doubt. Now, what would 50-year-old Bernard do to 40-year-old Bernard? I can't say that he would win. Um, Hopkins is, is, is definitely not at his best anymore. But he's just so smart and... And, you know, if his opponent has the right limitations, he can still beat them. And see, the thing about Kovalev is we, we don't know the extent of his limitations because his opponents haven't been able to, you know, just haven't been able to bring it out of him because they haven't been able to deliver offensively or defensively. You know, they, they just get, you know, blown out. Um, some guys can always look great uh, against bums. Like... Mm-hmm. You don't you don't necessarily have to be a great fighter to look great against a, a lower class fighter, whereas some great fighters can look bad against lower class fighters and yet dominate elite fighters. And whereas guys that you know blow through the lower class fighters, you know, end up getting exposed by elite fighters. That's that's uh, an aspect of, of the fight game that you know it, it escapes a lot of people, and we just don't know what type of fighter Kovalev is yet. Because we we haven't seen him against uh, a wide enough spectrum of opponents. But um, back to your question, Bernard is probably somewhere around eighty percent of of you know. I'd say you know factoring in physical, physically and mentally, um, because strategy is is just a huge part of boxing. Physically, Bernard is sixty percent at best. Of of what of what he used to be, at best, maybe maybe only fifty percent, honestly. But because you know, it just just that experience and knowing what to do now in the ring. I mean, his ring IQ is is just it's like genius level. It's just so far above anybody he's going to fight. You know, unless maybe he fights Mayweather, but you know, that's that's a fantasy fight. Um, <laughs> but yeah, but but with that ring IQ factored into it, I say. He can perform at about eighty percent of his his best self. All right, Brandon Stubbs. So just to revisit, you know, of course we will do this next week. Maybe we'll have another roundtable next week, just because this is such a historical fight. Maybe we'll do kind of a roundtable-ish kind of show next week. But if I remember correctly, Mr. Stubbs, your prediction was Kovalev KOing Bihar. I, I'm going to still stand by that, but, you know, similar to what, what Ryan is saying, the one thing that's going to give Bernard the edge against anyone he fights is his ring IQ. And, you know, as, as much as I, I I think Kovalev can beat him, it, it's, you know, it's still part of me that still thinks, you know, you can't bet against Bernard Hopkins because 
every mm-hmm. time we do, he proves us wrong. You know, right now I'm still I'm still for Kovalev. I'm more it's sixty forty Kovalev in my eye, but I, the closer we get to the fight, it's almost like B Hop's going to do something that's going to shut me up again, and he just continues <laughs> to continues to do that. And I actually watched the Kelly Pavlik fight again over the weekend because I just like I just one of those fights I enjoy watching because he just beat the hell out of that kid. It's stuff like that that still makes me think that he can go out and he can do, you know, the the amazing, the 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 unquestionable. He can just do weird things like that because he is quote unquote an alien. So I'm still going Kovalev, but it's going to be entertaining. Um, I think the first four rounds of the fight are going to be very telling. And if Menard can control the pace in those first four rounds, it is a wrap. There's no way Kovalev's going to be able to adjust uh, and, and make the correct adjustments in his corner to be B-Hop. B-Hop's just at a different level. And, Ryan, if I'm not mistaken, you say B-Hop by decision. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's that's my default answer for, like, every B-Hop fight, unless he's fighting a guy. The camp punch is defensive-oriented or has really fast hands. Mm-hmm. Against those type of guys, um, I'm worried about Bernard. <laughs> but against a guy like Kovalev, up until now, now I worry since mm-hmm. Hopkins is, is ancient. He's he's not just old, he's ancient. Um nobody's supposed to be able to perform at this level in a professional sport. Any and nobody, period. So that worries me. But stylistically, Bernard all day. So how much of this is actual are you really basing this on or how much of this is attached to sentiment and Philly loyalty? Oh no, this it's got nothing to do with loyalty. I mean I pick against Bernard. I picked him to lose to Jermaine Taylor, I picked him to lose to Chad Dawson. I mean yeah. I just I, I, my track record for Bernard Hopkins fights is, is second to none. The only fight I really got wrong, well, you know, I- excluding the draw with Pascal because Hopkins really wanted to fight. I said Hopkins was gonna win, he won, they gave him a draw. And excluding the, the no contest with Chad Dawson in the first fight, I said Chad was gonna right. win the fight, he was winning the fight. You know, if I just ended early. Um, we saw what happened in the rematch. Um, so forget those. But the only one I really got wrong was the Kawasaki fight. And it was the one that I was most unsure of. I said, you know what? I like Hopkins by decision, but I never felt good about it. And although, you know, most of the rings that I pressed thought Hopkins won the fight, um, Kawasaki got the, the split decision. And I can't really argue with it. You know, it he fought... He fought the fight he needed to fight to get the decision. Um, you know, Hopkins did land the clean punches, and he, he definitely was defensively savvy, but Kazaki just outworked him. All right. Well, I will offer my own prediction. I will also predict Bernard Hopkins by decision, but I will predict uh, B-Hop by majority decision. But I don't know why we're doing predictions already because fight's not this weekend. But, you know, since we're fresh off of media day and uh, look forward to Brandon's amazing coverage to becoming a badculture.net. Did you have Daryl Cobb with you today? No, man, Daryl wasn't there. So I'm taking pictures and, like, you know, holding my video camera. I got all this stuff in my hand. Oh man, it was it was rough. <laughs> so don't don't ex- you're going to get a photo gallery, but don't expect no you know excellent photo gallery. You're getting the uh, the, the the sweet boxing photo gallery, which is you know uh, exactly <laughs> at best. <laughs> you know, no 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 perfectly placed sweat flying off his camera. You nah. know, with a, no fancy watermark in the corner. 
No, I'm not bothering the uh, watermark this stuff. <laughs> yeah, you know, if y'all oh, want to wow. steal, steal this shit, go ahead and steal it. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm not taking any ownership. Oh, okay. All right. Well, I mean, look, I'm not complaining. I'm just happy you went. So, great. Excellent. So, uh, look forward to coverage from Media Day and quotes and all that good stuff will be coming up on uh, backculture.net in the coming days. And as we get closer to the fight, we'll talk more about it. It's going to be a great fight. Thank God it's not a pay-per-view fight. Um, it's all the first installment of 24-7. That was uh, broadcast on HBO. You know, got to see a different side of Kovalev that, you know, the more family side of Kovalev. Uh, Jackson uh, Bernard Hawkins, former corner person who now trains Sergey Kovalev. I don't know. It, I, the way they depicted him. He's got the best hair in boxing. Nah. He got, yeah, I mean, he just gives me Vampire in Brooklyn. Whenever I see him, it makes me want to watch Vampire in Brooklyn. I just wanted to cut it off. I don't like when grown men have ponytails. I mean, you know, dreadlocks are cool, but I just, I have, I just cut it off. Once you get to a certain age, cut it off. Unless you go in and spend some time in the pen, cut it off. I'm not, wow. I'm not with the I'm not with Samson. I'm not with it. I'm just not with it. Maybe that's a conservative uh, part of my nature, but I'm not with long hair. I'm not with it. Mm-hmm. Cut that shit off. Looks like an ultra perm. So, anyhow, we are now joined by our other colleague, Ismail Abdul-Salam of Beast Boxing Mayhem. Uh, we'll have Mike Reed is going to be uh, calling in in just a moment, but uh, I know that Ismail had a chance to interview Bernard Hopkins today for Knockout Nation. You know, how was your interview with him? Hold on, everybody. Interview was good. You know how Bernard is. You only have to ask him a sentence or two, and he'll just go off for about 30 minutes. So, he, you know, he sounds focused as normal. Um, he's talking Kovalev up, but, you know, he dropped a couple of hints that he expects it. Well, not expects it to be an easy fight, but he said it may look easy. And he also mentioned the fact that, um, you know, he just feels like he can't compete with him. And he mentioned, look at his resume, who he's fought versus who he's fought. So I'm expecting a good fight. You know, I'm leaning toward Hopkins, but you never know. Never know. Oh, I think we have Mike Reed here. Perfect timing. Thank you, Ismael. And we'll come back to be hot later in the show. You are now live on the ruckus. Who am I speaking with? Mike Reed. Mike, yes, indeed, Reed. Welcome. Thank you for joining us tonight. Uh, you're just now tuning in. We're joined by uh, Mike, yes, indeed, Reed, who will be fighting next on November 29th on the Terrence Crawford uh, Beltran undercard. Hey Mike, I heard you. We were throwing a party for you. I heard you. You um got it cracking on your midterm. How was your midterm? <laughs> it was good. You know, it was good. Uh, everything that I've been learning. You know, it was it was simple. And then my professor he gave us a lot of the formulas. So I had um 87 on it. So that's 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 good. You know, it's always room for improvement if it's not 100. But I'll take my 87 for now. Your professor gave you were you cheating? <laughs> no, no, he gave he gave everybody the, um, some of the formulas that we needed, you know, just to help us out a little bit. But everybody mm-hmm. had it, so you have to level the playing field okay. a little bit. Good job, good job. A boxer that's still in college, I like that. That's right. Always have a always have the plan for the future too. You never know where it'll take you. So yeah, once again, true. thank you for uh, thank you for joining us, Mike. Um, for those just tuning in who haven't had a chance to see a lot of you, you know, give us a little background about you, 
you know, how you jumped into the sport and where you are today, because we know that you were assigned a top rank. But just for those who are, are not as familiar with you as we are. Okay, well, I'm 21 years old, um, 11 and 0 as a professional, been pro for a year and a half now. Um, like you said, signed with top rank. Before I was signed with top rank, um, I was doing local shows, you know, and that's how I kind of created that buzz for top rank, um, by doing the local shows and having a good following down here and putting on spectacular performances um, in the DMV area. Before I turned pro, I pretty much did everything that you can do in the amateur system but make it to the Olympic team. Um, I was one of the favorites. I had 141 in the Olympic trials, um, won a national Golden Gloves in 2011. Um, I placed second in the, um, in the USA's probably mm. two years in a row. So, I've, I've, like I said, I've pretty much done a lot in the amateur system. And how I got into boxing, I have an older brother. Um, at the time when I first started boxing, I, I was the youngest of four. I was the youngest of four brothers. And, you know, good and bad, they were my role models. You know, if my dad couldn't relay the message, it was my brothers that could. And we all were kind of close, you know, within five years of each other. So those are my role models. And my the one that was closest to me, he started boxing. And once he started boxing, me being the little brother, I just, I wanted to do it, but the way I went about wanting to do it was the wrong way. I kind of talked trash to my brother about it. And we was at, um, we was at the, pa- the Patriot Center, and I was talking all the trash in the world. My father let us put the gloves on. And he, he had been boxing for a couple of months now, and I wasn't boxing at all, and that was the worst beating I've ever got. And my dad let it go, you know. Um, nowadays, some would say that's cool, but it was fun, you know. I, it was no hard feelings the day after, but it was definitely a learning lesson. And after that, I got in the gym. The, the next day after, I got in the gym, and the rest is history. Before we uh, jump in, let me uh, just, uh, along with um, Mike Reed, of course, Mike on the line with us is Ryan Bivens. Uh, Mrs. Sweet Boxing, Brandon Stubbs, and Ismail Dusalam. So they'll all be chiming in on questions too during the course of uh, your time with us. But I must ask you, I'm looking at your box rack, and are you Benjamin Buttons? Because your second opponent as a pro was Cassius Clay. Are you lying about your age? <laughs> uh, you know, I thought I thought that was cool when I when I saw that it was, it was Cassius Clay. Um. I thought that was funny, you know, <laughs> but he couldn't really fight like Cash Clay, so it kind of lost the effect. But I mean, I, mean, I don't know. <laughs> was that his legal name? He changed his name to Cash Clay. Was he born? Did his mama name him Clay? And that's what um, he called him Clay. I have no clue. You know, <laughs> I, I have no clue. I know on the box rack it said Cash Clay, and that's what he went by. But I don't know if he was born that way. If he was, you know, it was that to form the box. Like, you can't have the name Cassius Clay and not box. Like, you know, whether mama, you're good or bad. <laughs> I mean, if your mama named you Clay, I'm going to call you Clay. But you can't be named <laughs> Cassius Clay and suck. So, yeah. but clearly you beat his ass because you knocked him out in one with uh, 41 seconds left. So, you, you can, when your children are, are, are adults one day, you can tell them you beat Cassius Clay and then you just wait for them to do the research and see which one you beat. <laughs> so, yeah. so I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna open it up to uh, my my gentlemen here that are on the panel with us. I'll start with uh, Ryan Bivens. 
questions for Mike Yes and D Reed. Hey, what's going on, Mike? What's going on, man? How you doing? I'm good. I'm good. Um, so your next fight is on the uh, the Terrence Crawford Ray Bell train on the car. Um, mm-hmm. Are you looking at that fight, or are you you know confident that you're going to stay at 140? Oh, I'm looking at the fight. <laughs> I'm looking. I'm definitely looking at the fight because even if I stay at 140, I'm pretty Terrence Crawford and Ray Bell train. They're they're two big lightweight, so I'm pretty sure they'll eventually move up um, if I stay down. But I'm. I, I I think I'll I'll move down. So I'll, I'll look at it. And Terrence Crawford is actually before well, he's a world champion now. But before he became world champion, when I first saw him against Brady Prescott, um, I liked him. You know, I liked the way he carried himself in the ring and outside of the ring. And I liked his fighting style. He was real smooth. You know, technical. And but he 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 would he would bang with you. You know, and I liked that he would bang with you. He reminded me a lot of myself. Um, Minus the switching part, you know, I'm a natural southpaw and I stay in my southpaw stance. But he'll switch back and forth, and I I think that's something that um that he does very well. So who do you like in that fight? Uh, I'm I'm have to go with Terrence. Uh, like I said, um, I think stylistically it'll be a good fight for him because Ray Beltran he he moves forward a lot. You know, he he likes to he likes to stand there in the trenches, and even though um Terrence he'll he'll do it. But Terrence, Terrence is a boxer by by nature, you know. He he has the the whole build to be a good boxer, you know. Has nice speed, long and um, rangy. So he has he has that build, but it, he has a fighter's mentality. So I think he'll he'll go in a fight, um, you know, looking looking to box, and then I think he'll he'll be successful and break him down. Okay. That's my Hello, Mike. Uh, question I have for you is, you know, congratulations, number one, on getting that good grade on that test. But now that your boxing career is picking up, when is school going to take a back burner? How much longer do you think you can continue to juggle both the way you've been doing? Um. Well, well, thank you, you know, for the congratulations. But I, I believe in, in a couple fights, you know, I think I can finish out another year in school and then I'll have to slow it down. And I, I have gradually slowed down. Like I'm not a, I'm a, I'm, I'm a full-time student, but I don't take five classes a semester. I take um, three classes. You know, I'm taking three classes now, and then I'll, um, I'll take two. I'll take two in the summer, and that way I can still graduate on time and still be um, eligible as a full-time student. So that's what I'm doing now. Um, I see in a, in a future, it will slow down, and I'm okay with that. You know, I'm okay with that, but right now, while I can, I want to get as much as I can, and, you know, that's what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. I also want to ask you about your about three of your last four fights have gone to decision, gone the full six rounds, and that's good for your stamina and for learning experience as well. Has that made you also reevaluate your power? Do you think you're going to be more of a boxer mm-hmm. as the competition moves up? Uh, not at all. You know, I have I have decent power in both my hands. Um, honestly, if you look at the guys that I fought, they 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 they're double opponents. You know, and that's what they make their name off of. The last guy I fought, I think he was he was stopped two or he maybe two or three of his um, ten losses. And the guy before that was only stopped once. And, and the guy before that was a big opponent. You know, he was a, he he has fought as high as. Um, I think it was like 150 or like 154, 
or something mm-hmm. like that. But he was he was a bigger guy, and um, you can see the the size difference. You know when we fought when we fought, he was probably like probably a middleweight maybe. You know he 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 looked a lot bigger than me, and I gave him all the credit for actually cutting down the weight and blowing up blowing up like that. But he was a double opponent. The last guy fought. He was double as well. And, um, if you look at all of the fights, I broke I broke my opponents down, and that was that's been my mo. You know, since the amateur, you know, since the amateur, it was always you can look at me and tell that I have a pro fighting style, and I break my opponents down, and I would I would I would lose the first round of of fights, you know, a lot, and that's because it took me a little time to warm up, and a lot of the fights that I did lose. I would lose the fight in the first round, you know, not not getting stopped, but y'all would be down so much, you know. We only had three rounds, three three minute rounds, so I would be down. I'd I'd be down a lot, and then have to work my way back out of the hole. But I think I'm going to be a fighter that breaks people down, you know. And if I get you out of there early, I get you out of there early. But I won't press it, you know. I've never been pressed for knockouts because I think I have a um a crowd friendly um fighting style. So even if I don't get the knockouts, I know everybody mm-hmm. that sees me fight, they'll they'll be satisfied with my performance. So that's one of the major things that I'm worried about. Yeah, so yeah I, that was going to be a segue into a question that I have. You know, you're a young fighter at 21 years, and we notice that the trend now in boxing is to have these spectacular finishes that are quote-unquote fan-friendly styles. And as you go through the course of making your fight, do you feel that pressure like every time you get in the ring, I got to try to knock this guy out. I got to headhunt as soon as mm-hmm. I get in there to keep myself relevant in the marketplace. Have you felt that pressure? Um, No, not at all. You know, I, I give credit to my team. You know, they, they kind of keep me relevant, you know, keep me in the news. And also my trainer, you know, who's my dad. We We work on different ways to – be crowd friendly without really taking that much damage or taking that many risks. Like one of my fights, it was probably a minute. A minute had gone by, and I probably had thrown maybe ten punches, maybe. But the guy was he was putting a lot of pressure on me, and I was slipping a lot of the punches. And the crowd, you know, you had the crowd ooh and the eye. So that's one of the different ways we work on. You know, being crowd friendly is you can be crowd friendly a lot of different ways. You don't have to sit there and you know be barbaric and go to war. Go to go to war with your opponent um, all the time. You can you can stand in the pocket, make him miss, you know, counter him, and make it look pretty. So that's some of the things that we do. I don't really feel the pressure of um, getting knockouts. Uh what's going on, Mike? What's going on? Uh, you know, I've had the you know the pleasure of interviewing you over the last couple of years, and kind of seeing you progress as being you know a regional prospect uh, to now signing with Top Rank. Uh, one thing that I've always admired about you, and I've, I've said very publicly on Twitter and even when, I, when I've interviewed you, is you seem to have such a, a level head and, and seem to be such a good kid. You know, if you go into school and you, you still want to further your education, what is keeping you so level head now that you're progressing? You're going to be uh, a part of your, part of the top rank. Um, you know, bigger things are going to be ahead of you in the future. What, what's keeping you so grounded and not like uh, some of your um, your counterparts? Uh, in the boxing game right now? Well, like I said before, my team, you know, my team and my upbringing. My upbringing, I think my parents and even the people that are my parents, but they've been in my life my whole life. You know, 
it's it's the thing about being humble, you know. Um, and that's what I that's what I want. I I'm going to teach my kids as well, you know. If you're humble, then you'll get what you deserve. Um, nobody likes an arrogant guy, you know. It might sell tickets, you know, but at the end of the day, if you if you're real arrogant, you you'll get humble real fast, especially in the sport of boxing where one punch can change the whole fight. You'll get humble real fast. So when it goes to boxing, um, like I said, that's that's why I'm I'm the way I am. My parents and um, the people outside of my parents when I was growing up, you know, everybody had one goal. You know, had the same had the same tone, and it was to be humble, be humble, and appreciate those that's around you. And I I'm going to teach my kids the same thing. You know, when you see mm-hmm. other boxers, you know, who aren't humble though like that, is it is it agitating to you that they're kind of giving off a a bad rep- uh, you know, bad representation of the sport of boxing because that that's something that uh the you know, fellow panelists will tell you. I go off a lot on here on the show about that. Is that something you as a boxer that you find just to be disrespectful uh, to not only themselves but to the sport in general? Well, um I really don't think so because you're a professional boxer and um it's about marketing yourself, and some people feel as though they have to be that way. You know, they have to be arrogant, have to be disrespectful to their opponents, you know, to market themselves. And, it, I mean, it, it works, you know. I, it works. Um, you can look at look, look at Mike Tyson, you know. Mike Tyson, he, he was a ticket seller. A lot of people hated him, but they would want to see him fight. They would, wanna, they would, they would pay money pay their hard-earned money to see Mike Tyson lose, but he kept winning, you know, and every time he'd have, like, he'd have almost more haters, or I would say people that wanted him to lose because they didn't like his manner outside of the ring and inside of the ring than people that liked him. Um, actually, my dad was one of those people, you know, he 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 bought a pay-per-view fight to see Mike Tyson lose, and every time Mike Tyson would win, you know. So, um, it's about marketing yourself, and I'm marking myself as a humble guy, and some fighters, you know, they market themselves as arrogant. You know, they're going to talk a lot of trash. And I, I don't knock any fighter, you know, because at the end of the day, we're doing this. Um, of course, we love the sport, but we would like to get paid as well. And if that's how that's how they see that they'll get paid faster, then kudos to them. But me, like I said, I'm going to take the humble route, you know, let my fist do the talking and just work from there. Yeah. Ryan Biz. Could you speak on what it's like working with your father as your trainer um now compared to when you were a kid? Um when I was a kid it was hard in the beginning. It was hard in the beginning mm-hmm. because you had the same voice giving you discipline and instructions as a trainer and the same voice as giving you discipline and instruction as a um as a father, you know, it was one voice that was always in your ear. And we struggled, you know, back and forth, but we always we always made progress in as far as, you know, father son, uh, trainer fighter relationships. We every level, if it was a me being ten years old, you know, winning national silver gloves, me being sixteen years old, winning the junior Olympics, we always had results, you know, no matter how rocky things got we always have results. And that's one of the biggest reasons that I stayed loyal to my dad because, A, he's my dad. You know, without him, I wouldn't be here. And without the um, without the progress that he's made and the sacrifice that he's made, then I wouldn't be where I'm at in boxing as well. So it works, you know, and I'm not, I'm not going to want to change anything that works. 
But um, now, you know, now it's a little different now because I'm 21 years old, and he he sometimes forgets that I'm 21 years old, and he, you know, he likes to talk to me like I'm still, you know, his little Michael. Um, and I have to, you know, sometimes remind him we kind of clash heads because I'll, I'll say, you know, you don't have to talk to me this way or you don't have to yell at me to relay a message. You know, I'm old enough now where so you, you, you can get your point across a different type of way, and he understands that. So we still, you know, we still working on compromising in the relationship, but as long as we have results, you know, that's the final that's the final thing. You know, as long as we have results and we can look at how our performances are growing, then we'll continue to work with each other and, you know, continue to make noise in the boxing world. So you would say he's on board with that philosophy? Like he wouldn't have any ill sentiments if, um, you know, you parted ways at some point? Um, no, I don't think so because, I mean, well, he might. He might only because... He's he's been my trainer. He's been my sole trainer since I've been boxing, which was when I was ten years old. So he put his hard work and his dedication into me. And you know, you you would like to. He does it because he's my father. But at the end of the day, you know, he wants to get paid as well. So um, if he had a fighter walk away from, him, and that's any fighter, you know, I've seen fighters come to jump walk away from. Him, and he still he'll still talk to the fighter, but if he has a fighter that fights him, he wants the, his fighter to win, because it's it's kind of like when you when you put your hard work into something, you would like to see it pay off. And I'm pretty sure right. he he feels some type of way if I did if I left, he would feel some type of way. But him as my father will overrule him as my trainer, you know, and he will he will make sure I'm I'm doing what I'm supposed to do. He will make sure that it's the right decision for me, and I'm happy with my decision. And um, you know, we we repair our bandages. You know, if we had to, you know, if I had to move on, you know, we we we'd be talking. You know, our relationship would definitely have take a blow for a little while, and I think that's natural. But I think we'll we'll be good in the event that I had to do it. You know, I think he'll understand. Okay, that's that sounds uh sounds reasonable. Mm-hmm. So, Mike, right now you don't have an opponent named for your November 29th bout, correct? Well, um, you know, we're, we're in talks. Um, they had given us um, Raul Tovar. Um, I forget who he fought his last fight, but he has, you know, he's a decent, he has, he has a decent record. I think he's like 14 and 8 or something like that. And um, I've watched tape on him, so I think that's the opponent that we're looking for, but it's no, no, no signed on opponent yet. All right. Well, for those of, uh, who are listening in and they want to keep up with you and, uh, keep up with your career, uh, let them know where they can find you on social media and how they can keep up with, uh, yes, indeed read. <laughs> um, Facebook, Mike, yes, indeed read, um, Twitter and Instagram is the same. Um, yes, indeed underscore read. I would have to say I use Instagram more, but, Whenever I have a fight, you know, whenever it has to deal with my fights, I always post on all social um, networks because I don't I even I don't have the same following on all social networks. So some people might miss it, you know, on one, but they'll get it on the other. So I try to, you know, keep that in the loop. Let's take a look, a random look at your, what you posted on Instagram today because Instagram is an interesting marketplace. Let me see. Let me go back. Okay, we got a- <laughs> We got a we got a ninja turtle, okay. That's acceptable. <laughs> That's my little brother. We got we got some ring shots, and we have 
uh, some juice in the cabinet. Okay, it looks unopened, so that is great. <laughs> okay, and we got some shrimp and some grits. All right. Oh, yeah. We give the Instagram the stamp of approval. If I turned it on and the first thing was a video with somebody with some ones and, a, and some underwear, then we don't have a problem. Yeah, absolutely but, not. Yeah, absolutely not. Or at least keep those pictures off of Instagram. Just don't put them <laughs> All right, Mike Reed. Well, the best of luck to you. Uh, thank you for tuning in with us. And, you know, after your next victory, you'll have to come back and rock with us again. You know, I will do. You know, thanks for having me on. You know, I always appreciate it. You know, thanks to everybody, you know, for the questions. Thanks for all, everybody that's listening. And I'm looking forward to coming back when I'm 12 and up. All right. Thanks, Mike. We'll take care now. Okay, you do the same. I like you, Mike. All right. Thanks, Mike. Thank you. All right. All right, we're going to take a quick uh, break, and then we will be back with uh, our either our next guest or we'll be recapping something, but we'll be back in just a moment. Brother Nazem with the Concrete Jungle Boxing Tribe. Shouting out to one of the baddest teams in the game, Bad Culture Radio. Thank you for the good work you got. I used to let the mic smoke, now I slam it when I'm done and make sure it's broke. When I'm gone, no one gets on, cause I won't let nobody press up and mess up the scene I set. I like to stand in a crowd and watch the people wonder, damn, but think about it, then you understand. I'm just an addict, addicted to music, maybe it's a habit, I gotta use it. Even if it's jazz or the quiet storm, I hook a beat up, convert it into hip-hop form. Write a rhyme and graffiti in every show you see me in, deep concentration, cause I'm no comedian. We are back. This is The Ruckus, the monthly roundtable with myself, Brian Bivens, Ismail Abdusalam, Mr. Punch to the Face, Brandon Stubbs, recapping uh, the month in boxing, the latest in boxing gossip, doing our monthly thing. We've all been on our best behavior tonight. Nobody has been hazed. Nobody has been clowned, but we still have an hour left of the show, so we know that's not going to last very long. So since we are all here together now, we've already deducted that Ismail's late, Brandon's drunk, I'm messing with stuff at my house, the Ryan is the voice of reason tonight. What's up with that? We got to get this show back the way it needs to be. Ryan, you all right over there? Um, I don't know. Maybe somebody's trying to call me. No. (laughs) No, I'm not drunk, okay? Don't. Don't, don't paint that picture here to the ruckus listeners and the great fans of badculture.net. Brandon Stubbs is not drunk, okay? Slightly lubricated, but not drunk. <laughs> it's big difference. <laughs> big difference right now, okay? Because, I mean, what, what led me to believe that is when I first picked up your line, I could have sworn you hiccuped when I brought you onto the line. That's why I said, are you drunk? Because I thought for sure I heard hiccup. Like oh wow, not the cartoon hiccup. Is that what I heard? No, no, no. I I do have my glass of water here to keep myself hydrated. Um, mm-hmm. but no, no, I am I, I'm fine. I'm fine. And trust me, I'll be going on a rant before the show's out. Oh, it's a couple of people who I got targeted, so don't worry. We will get to be back on the show before the night's out. <laughs> I'm gonna give you the bell right before it's your, your time to go in your rant. While we're waiting for our next guest, we have about four minutes until we're jo- we're joined by Nick Given, 
forgive me if I'm mispronouncing his name, but let's talk about, let's take our, our uh, Twitter question. We got a question from our listener, Nobody Here 23 at Nobody Here 23 who asked, does anyone else want Maidana to get Khan versus Alexander? I'm assuming he needs the winner of Khan versus Alexander. I don't think his family wants him to get that because I remember before the first Mayweather fight, they wanted him to retire. And I don't know. I'm going to throw it to Ismael. We'll start with you. Why don't you, do you want to see? Does any are you among the masses that want to see Maidana get the the winner of Khan versus Alexander? Uh, only if it's Khan, that would be nice to watch because you know Khan always getting clocked is interesting to see how he reacts. I mean, the first fight was good. We all saw what happened with Alexander and Maidana, so I really don't think anyone wants to see that again. Um, I wouldn't mind Khan and Maidana, but I don't think it's feasible because you know where Khan's focus is at. And, you know, Maidana, I think he has one foot in retirement, but he already talked about that. If he does come back, he wants Pacquiao. So mm-hmm. I really don't think those two revisiting that. It would have been nice if they would have had a rematch maybe a couple of years ago. But, you know, Khan's career, he's been so, so careful over these last, what, a year and a half, two years, trying to get this Mayweather fight. He's not going to take a, a fight with a puncher like mm-hmm. that. That's just not going to happen. And see, and that's the kind of fight he needs to, to submit a Mayweather fight. What about you, Stubbs? Do you want to see Maidana against either Khan or Alexander? Maybe Khan rematch, but I'm kind of like what Ishmael said. It would have made more sense years ago. Now uh, it just it just doesn't kind of it doesn't like the it lacks the energy it would really need to to get me excited about and really want to uh, go out and make effort to watch um, the Alexander fight. No, um, no. If anybody, I'd rather see my, uh, see him fight like uh, Guerrero because I think that will just end very violently. Be brutal to watch, and that makes good boxing, but it won't happen. So Ryan, so he's saying that if he comes back, he wants to get Pacquiao. You know, just preliminary observation. How do you see a Maidana Pacquiao fight playing out? Oof. Um. Yeah, I think Pacquiao by decision. Um, I think he's just, you know, kind of, yeah, 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 and then he dances away, and uh, he, you know, he repeats the process over and over again. But uh, yeah, if 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 Maidana can, you know, keep Pacquiao from moving his feet, Pacquiao is in trouble, and that becomes a real fight. Like Pacquiao's not Mayweather; he can't lay on the ropes and you know, uh, uh, bob and weave and you know, roll shots. Like like Floyd can, Maidana will put a serious hurting on Pacquiao if he can get him on the ropes. But yeah, in the middle of the ring, that's Pacquiao all day. Mm-hmm. Are you saying that Pacquiao has no defense? Is that what you said? I'm not saying he has no defense. I'm saying his 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 defense is not laying on the ropes. <laughs> not everybody can lay on the ropes. Okay, that's that's a, a specific skill that um. Not everybody has. You, you got to learn that. That's that's not you know in the um, standard fundamentals. Mm-hmm. How does one practice that, Ryan? You you box. How does one master defensive technique on ropes? Um, just practice, really. Um, first you 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 know you want to get in there with with guys that you're not worried are going to rip your head off. So you just get used to the, you know, the movements and the, um, and once you know you're comfortable doing it, then you can, you know, step up, 
you know, the, the opposition that that is throwing the heat at you, and you'll you'll just feel more comfortable. But yeah, it's it's it's, it's something you would not try for a first time in a in a, you know a major situation. You know, it's something you you already have to have you know be very comfortable with you know before trying to execute it when it matters. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. All right. Well, there that is. Thank you, nobody twenty, nobody here twenty three for your question. I will tweet you a picture of a fight. One day, maybe I'll have pictures or tickets to give away for answering your question. But I'll, I'll tweet you some pictures of a good fight, and we'll call that your prize for having your question read on the air. Um, while we're waiting, let's take another question from our listener, Atomic Poet at Atomic Poet. He would like to know. How does Stevenson versus Spakovsky compare to Golovkin versus Adama? And I will <laughs> lob that one to Ismael first. Uh, I can see what he's trying to make as far as the, the level of competition, but the circumstances are completely different. You know, you have Golovkin who's trying to make a significant fight compared to Stevenson who's squandered significant fights. And this is really the only option he has left. Um, so circumstances are different, so that's why they're going to be evaluated different as far as uh, who's been getting skewered about their competition, which is Stevenson, who's been kind of getting the pass on it lately in Golovkin, who, you know, who's making a, a decent step up in his next fight. So not really too comparable, even though level-wise they're kind of on the same level as far as competition-wise, but circumstances are completely different. All righty. Well, I thank you. Thank you, Atomic Poet, for your question. And we have some lovely mm-hmm. travel wax for you. Let's see. Oh. Our, our our next guest has not. Oh, oh by the way, by the way, I, I yes, like sir. to say that our, the, the Ruckus is Saving Show, the fight game with Jim Lampley, is now live on HBO. <laughs> I'm actually watching it on Sadler as we speak. You see on top of the or no, see, that makes me want to go over and unplug my TV, and my TV's not even on. <laughs> I'm going to just snatch the plug out of the wall. Like, but, you know, I'm, I'm talking all that shit. I'm going to watch it anyway. We already know that. But, um, cause, yeah, cause but we, we watched the show just so we control Jim Lampley because it's so terrible. Exactly. <laughs> okay, so, okay, so let's, um, let's talk about um, what we're waiting since the fight game is on on the air right now. Let's give our predictions for the Gaddy list because we know all of them fight on HBO. Who think? Okay, so we know we're gonna have Golovkin. We know we're gonna have Ward. Who? It's been a year now, right? <laughs> on the Gaddy list? Oh my God! No, Ward, Ward's not gonna be on the Gaddy list. No, no, no. Come on, Lampley has some standards. Now give him some credit. Okay, maybe. Uh, he, he may so, add well, Walters now to the car to the list because now Walters be no Donair. Yeah, right, Walters will be on it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I'm, so I'm going to go back and watch that fight again. That was a good fight for him and Donaire. <laughs> Let me stop trolling. So, uh, happy yeah, Taco, I'll, I'll I, I want to say just happy Tuesday. Uh, happy Taco Tuesday uh, to Marco Antonio. We'll be uh, watching uh, him get beat up again. So, shout out to him and happy Taco Tuesday. Oh, my God. Oh, wow. Oh, a little racist. <laughs> I can talk about hey, uh, um, the Ruckus um, uh, would like to point out that Brandon Stubbs has been drinking tonight, so we take no responsibility for what comes out of his mouth. Already, Martin's watching. 
<laughs> I, I know. You know, we just here at the Ruckus, we are just trying to bring the best in boxing news to you. And, you know, we can't be responsible for Brandon Stubbs' this <laughs> Oh, wow. <Today>. Wow. <laughs> Today. But, you know, he can plead the Fifth and the Fifth Amendment, and uh, it's his constitutional right to express his sole opinion that come out of his mouth. Let's see. What else can we talk about? Can we wish uh, Julio Cesar Chavez Jr. a happy Taco Tuesday? Oh, that, that goes without question. You mean 10 tacos, not him. Man, my God. We just want to come out of hiding and fight. Yeah, I just, has anybody seen him recently? What's his weight at? If anybody has seen Julio Cesar Chavez Jr. recently and can tweet me a current picture of Julio Cesar, don't send me no Photoshop mess. Don't send me Rafusha's body with Chavez Jr.'s face on it. I want to see a recent picture of Julio Cesar Chavez Jr. just so we can kind of gauge what weight he's at right now. Because when we went, when I did all the Golovkin press stuff, Tom Leffler said that um, Bob Arum called him again and was interested in opening talks again for that fight for Gennady. So if they're even opening talks, I'm just curious if he's south of 200 right now. And I just doubt it. I doubt he's south. If he's south of 200 pounds right now, I'll be hella impressed. So if anybody can tweet me a picture uh, Julio Cesar Chavez Jr. that's been taken like within the last six weeks, I will send you an autographed Julio Cesar Chavez boxing glove. Now, not autographed by me, autographed by him. So anybody, and it has to be a verifiable picture. Don't send me nothing Photoshop or you dug out of the archives when he, when he was 16 years old. I want to see a picture of him that was taken within the last six weeks. And uh, badculture.net will hook you up with an autographed Julio Cesar Chavez Jr. glove. Let's see. So that is our Twitter questions thus far. Why don't we, while we're waiting, why don't we recap the uh, action that was happening in Monte Carlo last weekend? Martin Murray, since we were talking about Gennady Golovkin, it's a good segue. Let's talk about uh, Martin Murray now pulls out the victory, puts him in line to dance with Gennady Golovkin this February in Monte Carlo. I will start with uh, Ryan Bivens to, to break down the fight card. We'll start with, with the main card, and then we'll talk about the others. All right. Um, the card it was it was a decent card actually, but the main event was um, you know nothing nothing spectacular. Um, it was probably the 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 worst fight on paper. Demencio Spada is just you know not very good, and uh, he had previously I think within the last two fights been knocked out by Marco Antonio Rubio, and you know we saw what Rubio did against Golovkin so. You know, you really can't get excited about Spider as an opponent. Um, but, Murray, you know, he did what he's supposed to do. He, he doesn't punch very hard. Um, and that's, I think that's his, his biggest detriment. Um, defensively, he's good. Um, I think he takes a good punch. Um, but nothing spectacular with what he does. Uh, nothing. Just very ordinary. So, man, who... What what does he bring to the table that's going to trouble Golovkin? Um, durability, maybe. Yeah, maybe durability. That's 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 all I can that's all I can think of. Uh, but yeah, he's, he's Golovkin does not have to worry about his offense 
because it's really, really not much. <laughs> Let's see, the undercard. Well, any other thoughts from the rest of the panel about the uh, main event? Dubs? Ishmael? I really think you are selling Martin Murray short. Remember what his promoter said. We're talking about the Mayweather of the middleweights. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's right. In the UK, they're they tripping on something. I mean, they got uh, what, Lee Selby is the, the Welsh Mayweather, and now um, um, <laughs> Martin Murray is the, 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 the middleweight Mayweather. <sighs> Ridiculous. Yeah. So, just like what you said, I really, even the durability thing, it's just like, I'm imagining if he, if he's going to try and fight the way he fought Sergio Martinez, if he's going to come forward with his gloves up, how long can this fight truly last? I don't see it lasting long. And if he tries to kind of fight off the back foot like he did with uh, Spada, you know, Glovigan will just pick him apart. He has a better jab. He'll close the gap very quickly. He'll get him on the ropes, and he'll just punish him. I don't really see this fight going past about five rounds. Now, he was on the, uh, the fight game just now talking about that you know, Murray's the best fighter out of Europe. He thinks he's going to be a little bit more difficult. But, you know, a little bit more difficult than Rubio is, what, three rounds, four rounds? Isn't Golovkin out of Europe? Didn't he forget himself? <laughs> exactly, exactly. So, I mean, Murray, he's, like you said, he's a solid fighter, but solid's not going to do it. We've seen what Golovkin can do with fighters at this level. So, is this really a matter of a waiting game until he can get somebody – to take the bait. You know, I'm hoping it might be Chavez, you know, because we know Canelo and, uh, and Cotto, you know, what they're working on for probably May or June. So that's really his only hope of getting um, a decent opponent because I really don't think he's going to take a chance on Ward anytime soon. And then, of course, you know, Ward's promotional problems to hamper that as well. So interesting spot for Golovkin. He's keeping busy. I think mean, that's the best thing that we can say. He's not just sitting waiting for a big fight, but at least he's keeping active and building his name. Yeah, and, you know... Uh, oh, go, go ahead, Jandra. No, and, you know, but how do you... If you're Gennady Golovkin and you've become this boogeyman now and he, they've made it very clear that they want him to continue fighting at the same pace three to four times twice a year, he's running out of people. You know, at, at what point do we say, all right, enough already, move up, move down, but just well, do something to increase the level of opposition that you're facing because the big names are not coming through for him, and I'm sure it's not of his own doing. You know, at what point do we does the allure start to tarnish? Well, I think HBO will make something happen for him between Cotto and um, um, what's the other guy, uh, Canelo. I think one of them does fight him eventually. So stick around for that, and after that happens, then move up. Mm. Yeah, but, but I was going to say, you know, Jet, you know, you're saying, you know, either move up or move down. Who's saying if he moves up or moves down, he's not going to run into the same situation to where people are going to say, you know, it's more risk than reward. And he still may not be able to get a top flight name to fight him. They still may be scared off by him, especially if he has a fighter to, you know, 168 and he demolishes guys who are 168 and want to fight him then. They may get scared off and he's going to be in the same position he was a middleweight to where he's there, but no one wants to take the fight. Well, see, well, what it does is he's pretty much clean, clean. He's cleaning out middleweight. All there's left now is Cotto and well, Canelo. You can't really count him as a middleweight because he's light middleweight. But you have Cotto left. 
If he moves up to 
I would if I was Kid Chocolate, I'd show the hell what would have fought on that Rock Nation. That's one point five million. Your wife just had a baby. You got miles to feed, son. You got a whole team, your manager, and then you gotta look at the aspect Al Hagan's gonna get his piece of the pot. Why wouldn't Al Hagan want him to get a bigger chip? That's a bigger payday for him too. Come on. Come on, so, just to promote so you don't, aspect, you don't know what Al Hagan is about. paying these guys behind closed doors. Now the, where was the money, you know, for Jermaine Taylor to fight Sam Solomon? How was it possible for Jermaine Taylor to make a million dollars for that fight? Where did the money come nobody from? Else on the where, no, nobody no, else no, on nobody, the nobody put that money up. That money came um, questionably legally from Al Heyman. So, so do we don't know. So, okay, we don't so know what kind of money Al Heyman is offering Kid Chocolate not to take these fights. So, so continue with that train of thought. Why do you think Al Heyman paid Jermaine Taylor that amount of money? What kind of Illuminati plan is that setting in the motion? <sighs> maybe, maybe Taylor Mayweather. Man? I don't know. I really don't know yet. We'll yeah, just have to wait my, and see. My God. And I've been hearing that. I, man, that's some bullshit. What were you going to say, Ismael? Go ahead. Well, so I can see where Ryan is coming from in 2016 because, look, as far as uh, Quillen's opponents that he possibly has, he could possibly fight Taylor. That's the easy fight for him. You got Danny Jacobs waiting in the win. That's two middleweight wins possibly if he wins both of those fights. And then at that point, you know, we're talking about end of 2015. A lot could have changed in the boxing landscape by then. It may be feasible for there to be a fight with Golovkin and Quillen by that point, and there may be money in it, you know, And by that point. On the other end, as far as more bodies, I think we're also forgetting about, you know, David Lemieux and uh, Rosado are fighting in December. If Lemieux wins that fight... That could be an attractive fight, possibly. You know, he's going to get knocked out, but it would be, you know, a, a shootout, basically. They, you know, they can schedule that fight for four rounds because it ain't going past uh, three. <laughs> right. It'd be exciting, though. You know, it'd be a shootout for as long until Lemieux gets hit, but, you know, they would One be a First round knockout for Gennady Golovkin. <laughs> I'll give Lemieux three rounds. Can, can, you rounds. know what? The, the hashtag for the event could be gone in 60 seconds. <laughs> Wow. <laughs> Speaking of what we're talking about, what do you think about the uh, the Rosado fight? Who you got in that one? Well, I interviewed Gab about it today. And, um, you know, from my perspective, David Lemieux is a front runner. You know, he's, he, he comes out there and, you know, offensively the guy is a monster. But defensively too many holes and he doesn't respond well when you hit him back. You know, it's kind of like a bully in there, and you know when you when you when you fight a bully back, um, bully kind of you know cowers away, and I I I think as long as Gabby can withstand the you know the early storm, if he can weather the storm, then it's his fight. By the, I say by the fifth or sixth round, if Lemieux hasn't got him out of there yet, it's it's Gabby's fight to dominate, but. Gabby said, you know, he's, he's from his point of view, um, he says, you know, David, he's not bringing anything that he's worried about, you know, nothing he hasn't seen before. And he plans to put it on him from the opening bell. So I'm not entirely sure how wise that is. It might work out. He, he could have, you know, hey, Holyfield had Tyson all messed up from the very beginning of the fight. So, you know, it, it could work for Gabby, but it is dangerous. So, I now I gotta give him a chance um, on on you know just on tactics, 
that you know he might get lucky in the first round. But um, if he doesn't, uh, in the way that Gabby says he's going to fight him, if he follows through on that game plan and Lemieux doesn't got him out of there by like the first and second round, then you know it's, it's Gabby's fight to win. All right. Mm-hmm. Well, with that, let's take a pause on that conversation. We'll come back to that. I think our next guest is with us. You are live with the ruckus. Who am I speaking to? Hi. Uh, my name's uh, My name's Chris. Um, I just Hi, wanted Chris. to mention that there's a, a lot of really good prospects, middleweight prospects, waiting on the uh, the edges right now, such as Ryota Murata, right? Mm-hmm. And, uh, right. There's another kid out of out of Detroit. Um, he's he's pretty good. His name uh, for for a moment just uh, just escapes me. Oh yeah, I think I think his name is uh, is Dominic Wade, right? I saw him on show earlier. Uh, all these guys could could easily be Golovkin opponents, and within a year, I imagine the uh, the the middleweight scene completely changing. Is is Wade a Hammond fighter? I'm not sure. Yeah, he's the hammer fighter. So yeah, that's that's as likely as Quillen. Um but you know, there's some other middleweights out there. There's uh Willie Monroe Junior. And there's the Russians too. There was a guy named that I saw on Friday Friday named uh Arif Magomedov. And oh is this atomic poet, Chris? Yeah. Hey, Thank what's up, man? Nice to finally uh, hear your voice. Yeah, hey, hey, nice to meet you. So, tell, so tell us, Chris. You know, while we're on the subject, you know, Ryan has said this a number of times during the sh- during the course of the show over the last few months. What do you think of the? Do you think this is the the weakest middleweight landscape in recent boxing history? Well, I mean, in my opinion, I, I don't think it was any more weaker than in 2011 when uh, Sebastian Sylvester and Felix Sturm were pretty much the strongest middleweights, and there was uh, there was uh, uh, Sergio Martinez who basically stood alone, right? Well, I would say that uh-huh. was the same error as this one. I, I, that's too close. Oh, you're, you're saying it's the same one? Okay, well, I mean, that's 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 fair enough, but. But there, within a year, what I'm kind of saying is everything can can completely change, right? Um, mm-hmm. Just 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 a, a year ago, uh, nobody would have ever seen Junior Makabu or Machunu that 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 guy arriving in in the cruiserweight division, and then they arrived in a bang with with a bang. All it takes is a is is a Murata to to uh, to pull off a better be of, and uh, and and we got ourselves a great division. Yeah, they, you're definitely on point there. Um, I, I I do expect Top Rank to protect Murata though, unless they can get him, uh, you know, like a soft fight for a title. Of hey man, the WBA might have been another belt for him. And mm. that's infinite wisdom. Uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I, recognized. I, I I just want to say right that 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 in Murata's mm. fight he fought the. OPBF Titleist. Okay. Yeah, which, but that's in the middleweight division, though. <laughs> hell of a, of a matchup for your for his first fight. True, but you know, I don't really rate OPBF Titleist beyond the 135 pound weight class, and and by that time, it's already getting watered down. 
Okay, well, fair enough. You you make a you make a good point. He's a curmudgeon, you know, but we keep him around. He's he, he's good. He he. We just you know, we keep Ryan around to do target practice on people when they call in. But I, I thank you for calling in, Chris. Don't let thank Ryan disturb your middle way dream. Bye bye. No, this this is a very knowledgeable caller. This guy knows his boxing. I follow him. Um, at I do follow. Poet. Please follow Atomic Poet. Also follow, you know, one of our faithfuls, Briz Rayan, another um, very, very informed listener, Briz R-A-E-N. Well, I don't know what happened to our other guests, but I don't know. We'll move on. We'll move on because it's now getting ready to be 8.30. So let us talk about what show you might have got wrapped about. up watching the fight game and just now is an emotional wreck. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Would you like to hear their pound for pound list, Ginger? Would you like to yes, hear it? Yes, I sure would. Absolutely. All right. I, I don't know if the other gentleman got a chance to catch this, but in at number five is Roman Gonzalez. Ooh. Finally. Yeah, yeah finally. Triple, Triple G is in at number four. No, no. Pacquiao at three. Mm-hmm. Um, Ryan Bivens' favorite commentator, Andre Ward, at two. <laughs> And they said something about a rainbow wrist. I thought that's what Jim Lampley said. I don't know, but he was talking in regards to Floyd Mayweather. I heard rainbow, and I don't know what I, – I really didn't catch the rest of that. But Floyd's number one. Um, yeah, but Ward at number two, and he hasn't fought in damn near a year now. Well, oh, yeah, man. Or something like that. Year, he probably has to get bumped off. But, you know, he has a couple more rooms. Shoot, this is the last, last week, really. <laughs> Let's see. Roman, Roman Gonzalez, Gonzalez made the new... list. I wonder who who convinced Lampley to do that. I see. Well, he did that say they may be televising his next fight. The fact that they would um put him oh, on that's what it's about. I'm hoping. He's, he he's actually did on say. HBO. Yeah, he did that's mention cool. that he I'm said happy. he's the best fighter that you haven't seen on television. So and he said hopefully that changes real soon. So who knows? Personally, well, I have Gonzalez number three on my list, even though it doesn't exist. But if I made a list, I guess I'd have Floyd number one. And, uh, wait, do I have a number three or do I have a number two? Shit, I might have a number what? two. Uh, honestly, shit. I got Mayweather, Rigondeau, Gonzalez, and that order can change. Um, I don't rate guys that don't fight, so I'll just work on the list. Uh, but who else? Well, you're more than welcome. I, to no, make okay, those, I but those four, those four are the only guys I'm like, you know, thinking about when I'm thinking about the best fighter in the world. I'm thinking Mayweather, Ward, Rigondeau, Gonzalez. I'm not thinking about anybody else. Okay, well, you heard it here, ladies and gentlemen. You, Bad Culture, will now feature the Ryan Bivens pound for pound list <laughs> to be updated quarterly. Thank you, Ryan, for your contribution. You know, your content at Bad Culture is always appreciated. So you heard it here. We will now be featuring Bad Culture Sweet Boxing's pound-for-pound list to be brought to you on a quarterly basis. Thanks, Ryan. Boxing list. Boxing list. We will also have one for MMA on on Bad Culture. So, Ryan, you're responsible for boxing. I'm putting all faith in you that you'll get it correct. <laughs> Look, my my <laughs> list is, is not a, a definitive, you know, length. Okay, like no, I'm not doing a, a top ten. I got I got my top four. Okay, after that it's like you know who cares? It could change. It could change. 
It could change. Brian, like, you, you know, next one? week. I'm saying, like, between, you know, this week and next week, you know, maybe maybe I care about the top six guys. But at the moment, I only care about the top four guys because I think all of them have cases to, to be the, the best fighter in the world, and uh, everybody else doesn't. Wow. Okay, so look look for it coming to BadCulture.net, the quarterly sweet boxing pound-for-pound pound list, which will feature the top four pound-for-pound pound boxers in the landscape right now. It will be four. It will be four. And then maybe we'll put some asterisks in if he is feeling like he want to add a couple more. But you will see four names on a quarterly basis. So let me make my note to do my homework tonight to create this section on BadCulture.net so it can be displayed prominently above the fold on the website, as it should be, so we can get Ryan even more trolling on Twitter, because that's <laughs> what we like. So, now, okay, so we've talked Monte Carlo. I'm sorry, I had to step away from the line. How far into the Monte Carlo car did we get into? Were we still on Martin Murray, or had you... Yeah, we, we didn't get to any of the fights. <laughs> we did right. no fights besides the main event. Let's talk about that Christmas gift that happened in the co-feature. I managed to watch that before I had to take off and do some of BC's other work. Um, who was? Ismael. Why don't I have you kick it off with the co-feature gifts that we saw on the undercard of Martin Murray? Uh, Stuart Hall gave an admirable effort. Um <laughs> He did better than what I expected him to do. He got clipped with some left hooks early on. I thought maybe he would um, go down harder than what he did. He kind of went down just on the counter left jab. But after that, he pretty much composed himself. Um, he gave a strong effort. You know, he was in the fight. With, I thought he still lost, but it was a lot closer than what the cards mm-hmm. were. So mm-hmm. I think it was, you know, it's a learning experience for the younger guy. Uh, Stuart Hall, I mean, hmm. I mean, on one hand, you can kind of look at it as, you know, Stuart Hall is not really that accomplished of a fighter or that really that good of a fighter, you know, kind of a decent fighter. So to have that many problems, you can kind of look at it as maybe an indicator where his level might be. But um, he's still young, so we'll see how he does in the future. But it was entertaining, you know, for the most part. You know, they were fighting very, very hard for the entire 12 rounds. So, you know, it kept my attention. It was way better than the main event. You could definitely say that, too. With Randy Caballero, you know, I've seen him a couple times uh, down at Fantasy Springs. Definitely, you know, a nice little prospect, but I agree with you. It wasn't this big shutout like they purported it to be. You know, I really got to remember to put my TV on mute when I'm watching some of these cards so I don't have my opinion biased by the commentating. Because if I just went strictly on the commentating, it was like a – what's the opposite of a requiem? like a, a ticker tape parade. It was like a ticker tape parade for Oscar De La Hoya because all they kept going on and on and on and on, and this is Oscar's protege, Oscar De La Hoya, Hall of Fame, Oscar De La Hoya, Oscar De La Hoya. You know, we all love Oscar De La Hoya, but if you listen to that conversation no, that you was for, he, okay, well, <laughs> we all know who Oscar De La Hoya is, and we could have, you would have sworn, you would have, I had no doubt of what the outcome, no matter what happened during the fight, I knew that was going to be the outcome. So I really got to start making sure I put my TV on mute when these fights are on. Ryan, what were your your, your thoughts? Because we know uh, Stubbs back there was cheating on us with MMA. So what were your thoughts on it? Well, look, there were three live boxing cards from 
Europe, I believe, all from Europe, um, going on at the same time. Uh, so mm-hmm. I could not score the fight, but it was a very even fight from what I saw. Um, I'd say, you know, Hall had a case for winning the fight. I know a lot of people did think he won. I expected Randy to win the fight. Um, Hall did better than I thought he would. Um, I did not think Randy fought the smartest fight, but it was a learning experience for him because, you know, this was his, you know, first, I'd say, you know, uh, significant test in his career. And it's only and the only reason that I expected him to, you know, to win a world title despite not having, you know, meaningful experience is because I had a very low opinion of Stuart Hall. And he's he's not a top ten fighter in this division. He might not even he might not even be a top fifteen fighter in this division. But um the IBF rated these guys high enough so they could fight for a world title and it is what it is. Indeed, indeed. Why don't we man you watched far more boxing than I was able to this weekend. Those were the only of those cards, and I saw the rest of the the undercard of the Caballero undercard and um, Martin Murray. But the other cards that you were able to see, yeah, there was um, the, right there was the uh, the the Tommy Cohen and Michael Casitas card where that shouldn't have happened. Um, Michael Casitas shouldn't have been sanctioned to fight. Uh, mm. I mean he. If he was, you know, in decent physical condition, he would be Coyle because he's just a better fighter than Coyle. But uh, as soon as Coyle hit him with a good shot, he was out. I mean, this guy, I mean, he's a brain injured person. So, you know, it's it's, it's going to be a lot easier to, to get knocked out for him. And that's what happened. Coyle caught him with a good shot, and I think, in like the second round, and it was all over. It was it was sad to see it. I hope I hope Casitas never fights again. Mm. So that was one of the cards, and I think the other card was uh, what was the other card? Uh, why is it escaping me? Uh, damn, I don't forgot. <laughs> I have to look at box right. Speaking of jogging um, my memory, wasn't it um, Darlis Perez? Then he knocked somebody out. No, I mean yeah, that that happened, but that that wasn't televised. Um, yeah, he he picked up like some interim title or something. Uh, the other televised WBS? card going on that time was uh, was it Luke Campbell? Was he on right. TV? Luke, Luke Campbell was on the undercard, I believe. I thought he was on that undercard. Or so you got me on the, I got my fights mixed up too on my cards. Or was he on? I know Luke Campbell fought Daniel Brizuela on the on the Tommy Coyle on the card because they're going to fight next. Campbell's going to fight uh, Coyle, and you know that'll be a good fight because you know Campbell he's um, the Olympian, and uh, he's technically very sound, and he's he took a big step up against Brizuela, and now he's going to um, uh, fight the guy to beat Brizuela, which was uh, a fight of the year candidate, by the way. Um, uh, Tommy Coy on Daniel Brizuela. That was like, at least on my list, number three for the best fights in 2014. So I would advise everybody to watch it. It ended messed up because it was it was early stoppage, but uh, before that it was it was great. Oh, also fighting this weekend, our recent guest uh, Danny Valdivia 
the uh, top-ranked prospect fought in the uh, Pfeiffer Water car that was happening in Fresno. Right, yeah, he was and, on that solo by fail car. Yeah, they showed his fight. Yeah, yeah he uh, won by a first-round knockout, so we'll definitely have to have him on again. Andy Ruiz won his fight, too. TKO, first-round TKO. So looking at the results yeah, they also of this car. A 275-pound Andy Ruiz. And he says he's going to be world champion by this time yes. next year. A 275-pound Andy Ruiz said he's going to be world champion by this time next year. Who is he going to fight to be world champion? Shannon Briggs. <laughs> Yo, he must be getting a regular WBA title shot because that, that's the only thing I can figure. Or maybe an interim WBA title shot. Because, you know, Ortiz is going to get stripped because he failed that drug test. Um, and, you know, the regular champion mm-hmm. is Ruslan Shigaev, who is, you know, he, he was washed up about, I don't know, how long ago? 2008. <laughs> so, yeah, I, hey, if he can get a shot against, um, against for those belts, yeah, maybe he can be heavyweight champion of the world. But other than that, nah, nah. No, no chance at the WBC belt, no chance at the, and no chance at all the other belts that Vladimir Klitschko has. Well, um, we, could, we let's holler at the WBA. I'm sure they could do something for the man. <laughs> WBA can figure out something for anybody. I'm telling you, they can make you world champion in, in, in a month. It puts you in the gym. You you be female WBA champion of the world. Yeah, I started training for my Spartan races in January. I just might be the champion of the world come January. You know, give me an opponent in there. I'll fight. We'll see what weight I'll have to fight at because, you know, I'd like me a Taco Tuesday, too. So we'll have to wait and see what weight I'd fight at in January. <laughs> Did we talk so, about the big comeback next uh, month? Who's making a comeback? LL? Jose Luis Castillo and Bruce Martin Russia. My man Jose, come I forgot all about that shit. Ah, damn. Yeah, man. It's about confirmed. Don't Jose, they, they say ESPN might pick it up. So Jose is about 142 years old, and for him to fight a guy like Ruslan Provodnikov is is deplorable. They don't like it's it's honestly much. deplorable. I mean, I can't, I can't in good conscience, you know. Speak in any positive manner on the fight, and none whatsoever, because they had other people they could have fought. But you know they 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 went the of of that list of people, none of them had a name, and uh, you know so they're they're going to fight a guy that you know at one point used to be the best lightweight in the world, at one point gave Floyd Mayweather maybe the toughest or the uh, most difficult fight of his career. Got to walk out there uh, Castillo, Castillo is, is going to take a beating, and it's just unfortunate. But hey, what <laughs> weight is the fight going to be at? Because the, the the man hasn't been able to get below like 150 pounds in a long time, and this guy yeah. is always no, notorious for if, if if he does have to make weight for something, he's always notorious for you know not making weight. So I I see no no good cause to to have this fight at anything below junior middleweight. 
And honestly, uh, Provodnikov should not give a shit. I don't care if Provodnikov <laughs> weighs 140 pounds and Castillo weighs 160 pounds. This is a easy fight for Provodnikov. Mm-hmm. They couldn't dig up anybody better than than that for Provodnikov. I mean, well, I know his, top ranked some a few more bodies, but come on now. Well, I don't think Top Rank is really too much involved in this one. So, yeah, his manager claimed that they, they tried to get Zad. They said Zad turned it down. They claimed they tried to get a rematch with Herrera, but Herrera was like, I already got a fight signed. You know, they were trying to get him to pull out of his fight to go over to Russia. And he's like, no, nah, I'm not doing that. So those are the only two other names that they really mentioned, the people that they claimed they tried to offer fights to. Zad claimed he didn't get an offer. And Herrera, of course, is already in a contract with another fight, so he can't pull out. So, but yeah, I mean, anybody could have been better than Castillo. That's really well. They all oh, they did claim they they the other option was uh, Julio Diaz. Right, and yes. they, that, and, that that's still and better, but it's not much better. Exactly, but they claim Castillo has a bigger name. That's why they went with him. <laughs> That, that, right. that, goes, that figures. That figures. At least you know with, with Diaz, you know the guy was at least recently in good shape because he did give uh, Sean Porter and uh, you know Amir Khan tough fights in you know the the last few years. But Castillo, he hasn't given anybody noteworthy a tough fight in like a decade. Right. Um. Let's try. Can we remember his last tough fight? I'm thinking what Herman Nagoju. That was what. Yeah, ten years ago, maybe like eight years ago, something like that. So I mean, well, well past his expiration date, and it's, it's very dangerous, actually. You know, because Ruslan is a big puncher, and he's going to be right there to get hit. Mm. And then we're talking about over in Russia, so we don't even know how the officials are going to be. They might let him get welled on a lot more than he should. Yeah. Yeah, I hope they're going to watch well. Bonacosta for this show. So I don't know. I don't know. But we, it, you know, theater, theater of the uh, of the crazy boxing is. So yes, indeed, Castillo Probatnikov Castillo. Woohoo! Yes, get your popcorn well, out. I mean, if we're already in a cheering mood, can we also bring up the point that uh, it's been rescheduled? We're finally going to get the match that everybody wants to see at heavyweight. Antonio Tarver, Jonathan Banks looks to be a done deal for December 11th. Yes! Hold your applause, please. Hold your applause. Yes! Wait, oh my wait. God. I think I think they might make the winner of the interim WBA champion of the world. Now that I think about it. Because they, they got it. They had to got strip Ortiz because he failed that drug test. And Tarver is already rated by the WBA. Banks was a former, you know, contender not long ago. I can see it happening. Oh. <laughs> what Antonio man? Antonio Tarver, heavyweight they... champion of the world. Okay, so Jason okay, Dixon finally got it. The Golden Boy really needs to get their troll on. If there is no, it, on Tarver being the champion, I, I, no, no, that's a Golden Boy fight, isn't it? If it's Tarver, um, Banks, Tarver's not Tarver's no. Golden Tar- Boy. Tarver, he's Did promoted it? by himself. He's a Heyman fighter. But he's oh, not a, a right. gold fighter. Oh, well, then shit. Can, can Latif get that rematch? Can Latif get that rematch, though? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if I mean, they really want to get their troll on, I know I'd watch that. Let's get this rematch popping with uh, mm-hmm. if Tarver, if Tarver beats Banks, which I'm sure he will. 
let's get this, let's get this, this Tarver Coyote rematch. Yeah. Here's an interesting thing, though. Like, it, it's starting to seem like maybe Al Heyman's starting to branch off because it's going to be like three Heyman fighters on ESPN on this card. Uh, it's a triple header that's going to be headlined by Austin Trout. Uh, Chris Ariola's on the card, and as well as Tarver and Banks yeah. and Al Heyman fighters. I don't think Banks mm-hmm. is, but I know the other other three guys are. All Heyman fighters, all on ESPN. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, weird. Well, this, this is probably just like target practice on a non-premium station, so when they get ready to do this coup over on NBC Sports, they say, oh, well, let's just practice on a non-premium network. We'll just put everybody who's an indentured servitude to us. We'll put them on that card. Hell, Chris Ariola, Tarver, who else did you say? Austin Trout? Oh, yeah. Yeah, they're like indentured They're like indentured servants at this point. Put them all on one car. Why not? None of them are champions. None of them look great in their last fights. Why would you put them on a premium network? Hey, Tarver didn't look bad in his last fight. He didn't look good either. <laughs> so, I mean, hey, you know, if ESPN got this money to talk about, if they can pay Taylor a million bucks, you know, they got this. They got this. But I don't know. Maybe ESPN got some some, some new cash flow that we don't know about because we know they're not spending it on boxing staff. <laughs> Burn. Uh, yeah, so, you know, they got some they got some money to spend. Why not? If they if Taylor can get a million dollars, I need me a job over at ESPN. Hell, if they can pay Taylor a million bucks, I'm sure they could slip me about a good twenty five an hour just to show up. I'll do that. Paul I Butler is Mel Garnica. That's the fight. That was I, I forgot. That broadcast was just so okay. weak. It was so weak that it was like, how is this even a broadcast? <laughs> but Christian Eubank Jr. was on it. You know he, you know he, he's going to fight um, 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 Billy Joe Saunders um, later on this year. Uh, that's I believe it's on the uh, Tyson Fury Derek Chisora rematch um, undercard. So I'm looking forward to that. But yeah, yeah, but this card in particular ain't shit happening. Uh, but there was an upset. Uh, Thomas Stalker, the Olympian, he got upset by uh, Jack Catterall. So they were both not. Has anyone checked on Tyson Fury recently? You know, we haven't seen any good Twitter tirades from him. You know, he, he, he is are, focused. No, nah, he's been going to David Price. Tyson Fury is jinxed and cursed. Every time he's supposed to have a fight, the person gets injured or gets canceled. He's probably somewhere in, like, a cage, just, like, in the fetal position, just praying that his fight gets off. My God, when's the last time? He, he got more ring rust not by his own doing. When is the last time Tyson Fury fought? Was it against Steve Cunningham? No, no, he fought he after that. He fought somebody after that. He knocked out, like, in two rounds. No, I think it went longer than that. I remember he, being quick. It was some last-minute replacement. Yeah, Fury, he fought a guy that actually, you know, did pretty well early on. It was Joey Abel. Um, yeah, Abel landed some good year. shots, but um, uh, Tyson stopped him in four rounds. Four, and Tyson was really, mean? really fat. He was really fat going into that fight. He was, he was heavy as uh, Andy Ruiz. <laughs> but he's six foot seven. Andy right, Ruiz right, is yeah. He's, no, he's six nine. Dude to six nine. So Andy Ruiz is way shorter than that. So it's just disgusting with Ruiz. But I mean, even Fury, look, 
that's still fat, okay? I don't, I don't give a damn how tall you are. If you're 275, something wrong, unless it's like, you know, solid muscle. And, what do you um, play if you're playing football? Look, any, anybody solid muscle at that size is is not going to be a good boxer because your arms just want to be able to move. Well, here, Tobin, I want Tyson Fury to come on the show. If somebody is close to Tyson Fury, can you reach out to him and have a pint with him and then have him call into the show? I would love Tyson Fury to come on the show and uh, talk with us one night. He'd be highly entertaining. Well, gents, we are down to 11 minutes. So at this point, we should probably start talking about what's happening this weekend before we close out another fine, fine installment of the ruckus. So let's get started on that. Let's see. Coming up this Saturday or this Friday. Whoa, 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 whoa. Slow down, slow down, slow down. Let's start with Thursday. That's what I was. Hey, I had to get my schedule up. It's starting on Thursday, October 30th. Uh Uh-oh. My man is fighting on the car, Sharif Bogare. I wonder if he's going to come to the ring in the cage. We haven't seen that in a while. We've got a a fight on uh, Fox Sports 1, Danny O'Connor versus Andrew Farmer. And then a co-feature is Andrew Farmer, excuse me, followed by uh, Kevin Kevin Farmer. What? No, Danny O'Connor versus Andrew Farmer. Andrew? Who is Andrew? Andrew Farmer, the guy fighting Danny (laughs) O'Connor. Wait, I gotta look this dude up. I thought Tevin Farmer was fighting this weekend. I got my shit all fucked up. Mm. Andrew yeah. Farmer. Daniel Andrew Farmer. Hey, I'm making fun of me saying I was drunk. I'm, I'm, I don't know. I'm down there huffing because I'm having work done in my house and they're in there working oh, yeah. and I'm down there high on construction team and stuff. Okay. But no, Andrew Farmer. Real yeah, cool. no, you're right. Yeah, this is the junior welterweight fight. Um, Tevin is fighting at uh, at featherweight right now. Um, yeah, uh, this isn't really a fight. This is um, I don't know why this is on TV. <laughs> Andrew Farmer, his, his alias is the Do Man. The Do Man. He should fight. Yeah. Then he needs to fight Runner. The Do Man versus the Can Man. The Can Do Men. The Can Do Card. I don't know, it sounded cool. But that's that. But so Danny O'Connor versus Andrew Farmer headlining this Fox Sports card that we're gonna complain about but we will watch and we will tweet. And Jesus. followed by Awful. Feature. <laughs> it's, it's, it's really bad. I just I'm looking at it right now. Um wow, Fox Sports one, man. They I mean, even for Golden Boy Live, you know, this is this is pretty bad. But hey, you know, I'll watch it. <laughs> you were there? Thanks to Lee Farmer or something? Are. Anything? You're going to watch it. We're all going to watch it. Much to our dismay, we're all going to watch it. But Fox Sports has been hurting me with cars lately. I'm sorry, Fox Sports 1. Nothing but love for you, but yikes. Yikes. Crap, crap-ass cars. But we're going to watch because we love boxing. So, and once again, like I said, Sheree Bogare versus Fernando Garcia. Jason Quigley mm-hmm. versus Thomas Gifford. Jason Quigley. I thought we saw him fight a full-fledged fight recently. But at any rate, you can catch that card on Fox Sports 1 on Thursday. I think they usually start at like 6 p.m. Pacific time, 9 p.m. Eastern time. So if you are outside of those time zones, check with your TV listings. 
On Halloween night, I won't be watching boxing because I will be doing hood rat things with my friends. But if you are Preach. in Australia, you you can watch uh, Alex Leopold. That's early in the morning. Oh, okay, well, you won't watch that unless you live in Australia. Or you can watch early in the morning Billy Gibb versus Ruben Manikin. That's promotions, baby. Hold on. The 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 the, the Leopold Scott fight. Since that's in Australia, that'll be on. You know. Long before anybody's going out trick or treating, so if if you like to wake up early in the morning, um, I guess it'd be extremely early on the West Coast, but on the East Coast it's, it's still manageable. But hey, I don't I don't know of any streams of the fight. Uh, I'd have to look that up. You know, our office yeah, we have it's, a it's, Monday it's a must-win fight from Link Scott. It is a must-win fight. I think Leopold is actually the favorite somehow. But really, <laughs> but Scott is just levels above Leopold in terms of skill. I mean, Leopold got knocked out by Kevin Johnson, and Kevin Johnson doesn't even throw any punches. He got knocked out by a dude who didn't even throw a punch. So Malik Scott should have an easy work with him. Like I, I can't envision Malik Scott losing the fight unless he, you know, throws the fight. And, uh, you know, judging by his last fight, it, that's not entirely unplausible. Yes, he won't lose unless he throws the fight. Those of you who are in Australia, please upload it to YouTube so we can watch it. Thank you. On November 1st, on Showtime, coming from Chicago, Andres Fanfara versus... Dodu Ngumbu, who will be uh, headlining the card like heavyweights, followed by a WBO bantamweight title fight to Moki Kameda versus Alejandro Hernandez. Oh, Javier Fortuna. Hold on. Javier. Yeah, that's actually a decent card. Um, people don't know the guy that Fonfara is fighting, but he can fight. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, Fonfara is an exciting guy, so that's, that's worth watching. It's not the most relevant card, obviously, but it's not going to bore you. There are a lot of people on this card. Javier Fortuna is fighting Abner Cotto. Javier Fortuna is fighting off at ESPN. Wow. I only see him on Friday Night Fight. Caleb Truax is on this card. Wow. There's a lot of names on this card. This might, this might Koki be Koki Kameda is finally coming back. <laughs> Koki Kameda. Yo, they, he, they, they refused to sanction him to fight in Japan. He got kicked out of Japan. That's why he's, he's why? finally fighting in the United States. Because why, in Japan, why? you have your gym has to be registered by the Japan Boxing Council, and they mm-hmm. de-recognize the Kameda gym. So uh, I guess their pride kept them from joining an, another gym in Japan, so he just left altogether. Oh, well, hey, I ain't mad at that. You got to do what you got to do. So that fight will be on November 1st on Showtime. Also on Unabak. Wilfredo Vasquez Jr. versus Jonathan Ariano, and Alberto Machado versus Alvin Torres, and Israel, Israel Vasquez is fighting? Must be a different one. Versus uh, Miguel, yeah, right? Israel Vasquez. That's got to be somebody else. Um, is fighting in uh, Puerto Rico on November 1st on Unamas. And then BN Sports will have a car coming from Tijuana headlined by Tomas Rojas versus Manuel Garcia, co-feature, Jocelyn Arroyo versus Maria Suarez. So, see, Mexico is doing it. Mexico puts women's fights on TV, so kudos to Mexico. 
And that is uh, roughly, you know, other club cards going around their non-broadcast will be having as a card going on in D.C. But that is your fight action for the weekend. And we have under four minutes remaining. So, Brandon Stubbs, give us yes. your rant. Give us your rant. We're ready. All right. Well, see, the person I, I typically don't like taking shots at people's loved ones. But in this case, when you're someone's manager, oh, I have boy. to. Uh, okay. So this goes up to uh, Shana Bunridge, uh, Shana, whatever her name is, Mrs. Bunridge. Um, you know, she's been on Twitter a lot, you know, saying, you know, oh, you know, Kena's so high in demand and people all want to shout at the champ. I don't think she realizes the reason why people want to see him fight so much is because he's <laughs> an easy fight. That's why people want him to match up against each other top 154 guys because they can beat him. That's why there's such buzz, so they can get a title. Not because people are fans of K9. No. People want to see him lose and get his title taken. I think she's kind of in a word of a little bit of delusion. I, I know she's supposed to support her man and support her fighter that she manages, but she's an idiot if she thinks people are, are fleeting her because we want to see K9 fight. No, we just want to see him lose his title. That That's the just of it. And I don't think she really gets that. Not to mention, I'm still angry at them how they, like, they threw shade at me and then didn't want to do an interview when I worked for the title fight. Another story, another day, but I've never forgotten for that. And I just think it was a professional way they handled that. The whole thing was very shady and very unprofessional. But he's going to lose his belt, and I'm hopefully somewhere I can be and I can laugh. That's all I'm saying. Wow. I don't, Wow. Shout out to our guy Gordy Tamayo at the title fight. Wow, tell him why you mad, son. Gee, okay, well, Mrs. Bundridge, Brenda says don't like you, and he says you're delusional, and no one wants to see K9 Bundridge in the ring. However, if you are listening to the records right now and you do want to see K9 in the ring, tweet me now and tell me why you want to see K9 in the ring. Do you really think he is uh, calling it a comeback as a champ, or you just want to get them knocked out. Uh, but either way, let me know. We're going to be wrapping in 90 seconds. So final words. It's Mayo. Final thoughts. I uh, just want to send the RIP out to a South African boxer who passed away. She was in a coma for about two weeks, and she died after a fight. She got knocked out. 31 years old. Her name was, I'm probably going to mispronounce this, Ndale Melawase, I think it's how you say it. Uh, I think Melawase, I think it's how you say her last name. So RIP to her. Oh, rest in peace, rest in peace. Um, Ryan Bivens, final word. Um, I don't have anything planned. Uh, just, uh, you know, watch boxing uh, next weekend. Mm-hmm. Uh, this weekend, uh, you know, you can skip it if you got better things to do. But make sure you, you stick around to watch some serious boxing next weekend. Indeed, indeed. And closing thoughts for me, thank you for continuing to support and to listen to the ruckus. Wow, I found out this week that we have a listener who listens every week from Finland. We international, baby. I loved it. So thank you for continuing to listen to the show. When you have your favorite boxers or if you're connected to them, tell them to come on the ruckus. We'll talk to them. We love giving people a platform. So with that, this is the ruckus. Good night, and we'll be back next week.